This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. Today we're yet in our spiritual maturity series, and heaven is asking us a question. Still from the premise of the Lord's Prayer that so many call the Lord's Prayer, but Jesus would term it more as the disciples' prayers, a prayer we need to be praying. Amen. Jesus had his prayer in John 17, but we're going to be in Matthew 6, 10, the latter part of it, and in John 7, verse 16. I'll be reading to you here, both from the King James Version. We pray, Father God, we thank you for health, life, and strength. Bring your presence, your glory, the Spirit also to give understanding, revealing the truth in the Word of God. We know you're able to all who hear. Faith comes by such hearing, hearing by, yes, the unadulterated Word of God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God for all of you. Amen. We're in Matthew 6, 10, the latter part, which we call B, letter B, 6, 10, B. And it says here, as Jesus is speaking and teaching about prayer, he says something we ought to be saying in the prayer is, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Don't forget when he opened up, it was our Father who art where in heaven and his name should be hallowed hallowed be thy name his name is holy his name is highly honored amen and then amen thy will be done we got to get to this part because god is trying to say something to us through this part thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven and in john 7 16 jesus was confronted by many of um, the jewish worshipers and leaders he answered them and said my doctrine is not mine but his that sent me people were asking about the authority he had and jesus let them know of the authority given him by god yes the spirit of god is now leading us to experience revelation knowledge to unlock how precious it is to live by the tenets of the disciples' prayer. Amen. Many call this prayer the Lord's Prayer, but the Lord actually taught his disciples this prayer as an outline of divine communication, as divine meditation, and divine worship. And I've been instructed to outline this prayer uh, in a total of seven parts. And, um, depending on how he moves with this spiritual maturity series we're going to be governed by how he would have us do it uh, this message examines the third part which admonishes true worshipers of jesus to continuously ask themselves this question do you want what heaven wants do you want what heaven wants if his will is to be done on earth as it is in heaven, what is his will? What does God want? We have to, amen, look in the scriptures and let the Holy Ghost reveal the truth of that will. It's a will in glory, the sovereign will of God. And it's not subject to earthly negotiation. No, we cannot change jot or tittle if you're in the Hebraic language. 
We can't uncross a T, undot an I. No, we can't add. We can't take away. We have to leave it as is. Amen. Don't add to it. Amen. Don't put meaning upon it that does not does not belong there. That's isogetical uh, hermeneutics. We can't do that. We need exegesis. Amen. Where you're taking the meaning out of the word. Amen. So this part of the disciples' prayer reminds us that our prayer life must continuously keep us tuned and pruned. Tuned in. Are you tuned in to the voice of the Lord? Jesus said, my sheep, what? Hear my voice. Did he say that? Yeah. Are you his sheep? You have to hear his voice. We shouldn't be waiting on somebody else for the 100% proof. God will use folk for a certain percentage, but look, you can't depend on man for 100%. Why? Because we prophesy what? In part. There's a fractional uh, reception you're going to get. You're going to hit and miss. You're not going to hear the whole thing. It's much like students in my class. I can look at them and tell that they're not paying attention. You know, they're fiddling around with their fingers, they're fidgeting, they're doing other things. Some have crafted art projects that I did not assign during the lesson. They're supposed to be listening listening to, which, amen, if they don't listen, they won't be ready for the tests coming up. They won't be ready to scaffold what they have already learned and use that new learning and put it upon what they already know to build themselves up. And they won't have the acquired knowledge necessary for years to come and they will have to be remediated, my God. And this is what I tell some of them since they don't get the point after I fuss and fuss and fuss. I say, well, since you don't get the point, here's how the lesson sounds to you. And I'm uh, just picking anything. If I'm talking about, for example, addition and what an add-in is, what the sum is. And when I'm talking, they're tuning me out. They are uh, intermittently hearing and listening. They have selective listening. So the less, like, like when they get, see, that's, that's what they're gonna hear. Are they gonna get all the information? That's why psychologists say you have to listen to a sermon about seven times before you hear a good portion of it. We tend to tune out as humans. And preachers have a hard time keeping folks abreast because now we have been conditioned to the modern day media uh, devices and these things uh, decrease our ability to stay focused for a prolonged period of time. In other words, so many people today have attention deficit disorder. My God, uh -huh. can't pay attention. So God is calling for us to pay close attention to what he's saying, tune in. And when we tune in, he's going to tell us of what sort we are as far as being in agreement with him. There has to be a congruence, an agreement, where now God is the standard and we look to him for what the standard should be. And if we're not measuring up, he's going to tell us why. What is impeding our growth? Some things have to be taken out of our life because they are hindering us. And when the taking out comes, that's where God is cutting things away. Much like a plant, because the Bible is written grossly in an agrarian language, that means farmers have a lot to say 
about giving the prophetic word pictures of the Bible, like sowing, reaping, those are farming words, amen? Pruning, those are farming words, amen? Seed time, harvest, farming words, yes, yes, yes. So God wants us sometimes to be refertilized, and then uh, when he harrows the ground, the ground that's hard, uh, the fallow ground must be plowed over, all these farming terms in the Bible. God has to take out what is impeding the growth. He has to take things out of the ground. If something grew wild on our stems and branches, he has to cut those things away, especially the dead parts that will impede the fruitfulness of our productivity. God has to prune, cut away things. Mm -hmm. And uh, one time I heard a preacher a long time ago, he was fussing because he heard me teaching. He said that uh, pruning is for the sinners. And I said, well, I beg to differ. Every time Jesus is talking about pruning, he's talking to the people of God. Because they have, they have been rooted and grounded in the truth. They are growing. They, they have a certain propensity of growth, a certain potential of growth. And if that growth is impeded, God will prune them and help that the dead stem will not hinder fruitfulness from happening. Thank God. So you have to be alive for the pruning. Those who are dead don't need to be pruned. They need to be gathered up and burned and out of darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is what that type of posture will bring. Uh -huh. But when you're in the house, connected to the vine, Jesus, the life source, and he's trying to fertilize us and build us up and help us to sprout up and grow, germinate, sprout, grow, bring forth fruit. Something might hinder and it needs to be pruned away. So we need to be tuned and pruned, amen. Yes. There must be a maintained conformity of our will to the will of God. Prayer is an act and process of spiritual communication that should facilitate submission and obedience to the very nature and purpose of God. That's how we stay connected with God through prayer. I'm saying prayer is a relational process because that is just what faith is. And if you intend on being justified by God in the judgment to come, then you must not forget that the just shall what live by faith. Amen. Holy faith comes by hearing the word of God. You cannot please God without such faith. As the living word, Jesus only spoke and exemplified a holy life as befitting the protocol of heaven. Jesus showed us what heaven wants. Whatever the heavenly father approved and commissioned, that is what Jesus did and said. Only that. Jesus was and remains the living embodiment of every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God said it. Jesus uh, personified it. Amen. God said, let there be. Jesus went out and let things be. There was not anything made that was made without Jesus having something to do with it. Jesus, yes, worked as our creator. Isn't it amazing and intriguing how the creator could use the very body 
of the female he had to take from the rib of a man, the man he created, and go into the womb as energized by the Holy Ghost and come in and be birthed so that he could, amen, do what was lawfully needed. You have to have someone from the earth to suffer what sin causes. Sin brings with it a wage. The wages of sin is death, right? Yeah. And you cannot be forgiven. That's a financial term. God not only speaks in farmer terms, but in financial terms too. Remission of sin. Remit. When you pay a bill. When you, amen, uh, release a person from the debt burden. Remission of sin. There cannot be any atonement without the shedding of blood. The shedding of blood is the payment for the sin. There has to be a death. Sin, when it is done, doing what it has to do, brings forth what? Death. Jesus came in the form of man so that he could take the punishment for us. This is why we ought to be praising God and, and, and exclusively God, our creator, our redeemer. Amen. He paid the price for us. Amen. We have no other choice but to come through that one and only door of salvation from impending doom that this earth is going to face. And that's through the man. Jesus Christ. Amen. He's Jesus, Son of Man, and Christ, Son of God. He's both. Amen. The bridge that links us back to God. Hallelujah. Amen. So we need to be praying, yes, talking, communicating back and forth to Him. Holy faith is made of that. Jesus is the living word of God, and he helps us to know the protocol of heaven. Know it, not just in our mind, but in our heart and in our activity. The purpose of our being is all about what heaven wants. If we let, if we let Jesus come in and do what he came to do, it will happen to us. So whatever the heavenly father approved and commissioned, we will begin to do it. Amen. We will be as a lamb of God. We will take upon us the cross that should be bore. Amen. In our life, it's a burden of righteousness and we have to go against the grain. That's why it's a burden mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, sin is going one direction, but we're going in the opposite direction. Amen. amen. There's a broad way that leads to destruction. But amen. If we deconstruct the doctrine of the devil and the seducing spirits have, you know, locked us in to uh, tolerate certain teachings that are against God. If God can come in and deconstruct those things and create in us a clean heart, renew a right spirit within us, we will be enabled to have the life of Jesus in us now to live out what holiness is. God is the enabler that, that allows for that to happen. We can't do it in and of ourselves. Then we too will be a living embodiment of every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Mm -hmm. See, while on earth, Jesus represented heaven's will. He spoke it. He lived it. Amen. Mm -hmm. Jewish tradition did not sway him at all. Cultural relevance did not sway him in the least bit. Amen. It, it, it didn't matter if that cultural relevance was ecclesiastical, things of the church, or secular things that are of the world. It did not sway him. Amen. Did not dictate his mentality, nor the sole purpose of his heart. If we meditate on things, they will eventually begin to become the core of our being. What we savor will influence our behavior. I preached that one time. Yes, Amen. Yes, yes. 
So we have to be like Jesus. He spoke it and lived it. Amen. And we can't allow the culture and subculture all around us to be the boss of who we are. Right. No. Right. Those things will say, let it, let there be. And if we allow them, those things will be brought to life. Mm -hmm. But we, are, we, we ought to let God be the one saying, let there be. Mm -hmm. Let him speak that we become what he intended for us to become. Amen. Jesus modeled this for us. He modeled faithfulness and showed us that that is what we need to please God. But how many souls today are succumb to the temptation of becoming pleasers of men? We look in our church world, in our church world, so many are become pleasers of men. There's tradition in the church, and we become pleasers of that rather than pleasing God. We would rather look through the manuals and handbooks that our subculture has written. And oftentimes, it's an uh, adulterated word that's in those manuals because they didn't go all the way through the scripture the way they ought to. And sometimes misquoting scripture. And then we begin to be off because we are going by what man has said in his offness. And we think that it is the pillar and ground of the truth when it is a faulty ground. Uh-huh. My God. But God is here today speaking truth that we will allow him to place our feet on solid ground. Mm -hmm. So many souls today love to receive human praise. My God. And uh, that's more than praise from God. According to John 12, 43 in the NIV, it said that it used the word praise and pleasing God, pleasing man. These words, please and praise. The word praise mentioned uh, in the verse is to be interpreted as this word, glory, as it is revealed in John 5, 41, 42. See, out of uh, the mouth of two or three, every word be established. You know, the Bible proves itself. If you read it right, there are other witnesses to help it come into uh, the light so that we will understand. And the Holy Ghost gives us uh, understanding. He reveals the truth if we read it in the spirit of God. Amen. He will lead us to all truth. So in John 5, 41 and 42, uh, where Jesus told the Jewish leaders this, quote, I do not accept glory from men, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts, end quote. When he said, I do not accept glory, right away you will think in the King James Version, oh, there's something wrong. If he's saying uh, every breath uh, should be, you know, given towards praising God, everything that has breath, praise the Lord, you know, all these kinds of verses. Why is he saying he does not want praise? Seems like the Bible is contradicting itself. But it is not so. The Bible is not contradicting itself. The problem here is that a lot of times English does not have enough interpretation to give the full uh, meaning. And we could misconstrue things because as time goes on, words start taking another meaning. And a long time ago, it was good enough to say it like that. But now we have so many euphemisms that now we can easily be thrown off. So the word praise mentioned in this verse is to be uh, interpreted glory. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so if we look at it, I do not accept glory from men. And I do not accept praise, which is glory from men. But I know you, I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. Jesus meant uh, that he did not accept or did not need their approval. See, if Jesus had to do that, he wouldn't be God. Amen. Right. He'd be just one of us. Right. But he is God. Mm -hmm. God, the Godhead commissioned him. There's one God eternally existing in three persons. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. None of them are in it. We call the Holy Ghost in it sometimes, but he's a person too. Mm -hmm. See, but uh, we see that Jesus had a body and he... You know, he was on the cross, he was whipped, he was bleeding, he was crying out, you know, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani. He was saying a whole lot of stuff on the cross. We know he has a body, amen. <laughs> but we look at the Holy Ghost working in him and on him, we see the fruit of the Holy Ghost, but we don't see the body of the Holy Ghost. He needs a body. Is that what's going on? <laughs> but he is a person, amen. <laughs> Thank God. So yes, the Godhead approved of him. He does not need approval from men. He came to save us. He does not need our approval. It's not subject to negotiation on the earth. God is not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. Amen. He is God. So the, the people were void of the transformational love of God. Jesus said he knew them. They did not have the love of God in them. Uh, they intellectually knew some cherry-picked scriptures that they knew. They cherry-picked them. So that they could work around their disbelief of the Messiah. They didn't want to, you know, worship him as the Messiah. So they were cherry picking the prophecies and went around Jesus. Amen. But Jesus stood right there in their way. Big and bold. Amen. <laughs> Jesus is so wide you want can't go around him. <laughs> they tried to get deep, but they were wrongly interpreting the scripture. Jesus is so deep down they couldn't go under him. Isn't that great? And they had a high mind, a very high mind. Uh, they tried to go over Jesus. Jesus is so high, he can't go over him. And Jesus said his name, I am the door. Amen. <laughs> you got to come through the door. There's no other way to God but through this door. I am the door. Amen. Yes, they could know the scripture intellectually, some parts that they liked anyway. Uh, but they did not spiritually know the Lord uh, of the unadulterated scriptures. See. You need to leave the Bible alone and let God be God so you can get to know him. Amen. Getting to know the God you made, that's easy because you made him. Mm -hmm. But waiting on the, the real living Lord, that's a whole nother thing. You got to wait on him. And again, I say wait on the Lord. Amen. But folk don't want to wait. They want to make their own God so their own God can say what they tell them to say when they tell them to say it. But these people in the word here, in this history, this historic event here in the word chronicles for us, we have to learn that they needed to be regenerated by the grace of God. The grace of God is the power of God coming to transform us. Grace is also a person, capital G, Jesus. Amen. So grace is a lot. Hebraically, if you look at grace correctly, you'll see that it is an all-encompassing word that does a whole lot more than we think. It's more than us being able to uh, backpedal and have disclaimers regarding how we want to say we're saved when we're not really saved according to the standard of God. We make our own standard and say that, no, we don't have to repent anymore. We're already saved. Meanwhile, there's no fruit of the salvation. Mm -hmm. 
So they, they are calling that grace. That is not grace. I call it greasy grace. Amen. And God had agape which will cause you to change. But folks rather eat up the sloppy agape. Amen. But I want the clean, unadulterated agape. Amen. It's going to tell me just how I am. Amen. So I can get right. If you don't think you need your mind renewed, you're not going to seek for it to be renewed. But the grace of God came to renew their minds. Jesus was trying to tell them that. And that was by the washing of his complete word, not bits and pieces. I like using soap that works. Amen. I don't want to shower and bathe with, with, with soap that doesn't work. So I'm going to go to work. After a while, the sweat's going to work up and the students are going to smell something they shouldn't be smelling. Amen. That soap didn't work. And people are trying to wash their souls with soap that doesn't work. It's not God's soap from heaven, my God. But the word of God will come and clean you up. And it will construct you right in the construction of God. And you won't fall. He will keep you from falling. Why? Because there's a firm foundation under your feet. Come on, Holy Ghost. You know, these people in the scripture that Jesus was talking to, they love the praises of men more than praise from God. Look at these words, the words, quote, more than, end quote. And these words are better understood as rather than, see? They love the praises of men rather than praise from God, see? They switched it. They created their own worship. They began to have an idol God. Tradition could be an idol God. People could be an idol God. You could reverence a person in your ecclesiastical subculture. They become God. Why? Because they're tickling your fancies and telling you what you want to hear so that they can keep you in the seat, keep you uh, feeling all right about your sin. Mm -hmm. A lot of times these preachers are not preaching about sin anymore. They're just pep rallying you into some, into some soulish realm frenzy of happiness. My God, but your soul is not right. And you're going to, amen, shout your way down to the, amen, the, the pit. I don't want to shout my way down to the pit. My God, there's, there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There should be weeping, amen, at the altar of God so that you could avoid the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. The gnashing of teeth means you regret forever. Because you could have made it, but you decided not to. Now it's said too late. Now you can't. I want to come right now while it feels inconvenient. Oh, people are talking about me. Oh, that preacher's preaching on me. Good, that's the inconvenience. That's the time. That's the portal for you to come on in. Come to the altar. Get yourself right. God has pricked your nerves. Use the pricking as a flag, as a warning. My God. Because godly sorrow should what? Lead to repentance. My God. Stop switching who your God is. Let God be God and not the men of this earth. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Submission to the ungodly approval of men brings with it the propensity to be incarcerated by cultural constructs. That's why people are all the time in these days talking about deconstruction. They shouldn't have constructed what they constructed. You built something you shouldn't be building. I want the blueprint from heaven. I'm going to build the way God said build. Uh -huh. Hallelujah. Amen. So you can't go by our subcultural constructs and constraints because they will constrain you 
It doesn't sound legalistic, but it is. It's, it's a good uh, icing on the cake kind of legalism, but uh, you like the sweetness of it, so you go on ahead and, and use it and take it. But it, it really is a constraint, and it's uh, killing you with kindness. My God, but I don't want to be killed with kindness. Tell me like it T-I-S is so I can get myself right. Amen. Oh, my God. You could be in a constraint that's going to make you walk in opposition to God's sovereign will, but I don't want to be in that posture. No, no, no. I want to walk therein and be glad in the presence of God. Yes, he had to get me right for me to get there, but so be it. Amen. God said he will, amen, spank those who he loves. Amen. Hallelujah. Wash me and spank me, Lord, so I can get right. Hallelujah. Anyhow. See, this, this thing we're going through in the modern world, being held down by uh, tolerable constraints, that's another type of deliverance greatly needed today. People need to be delivered. Souls are pulled in opposing directions of tradition, which are oftentimes incongruent to heaven's purpose. We cannot change or save ourselves in our own power. And we try to do it with those, uh, the power of the men of these fallen uh, postures, wherein now they have replaced God. We have reverenced a lot of people on this earth, but they are not God. They don't have power to save you, and we don't have power to save our own selves. But these new teachings are giving us power to save our own selves. We're not calling sin, sin anymore. So now we don't think we have to repent. We are all in need of the grace of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He has to be Savior and Lord, yes. And he's Christ. He's the only anointed one from heaven. There are some who are on this earth saying they're the anointed one when God has not given them uh, the anointing, meaning the power, not just uh, some kind of spiritual power with demons and that kind of supernatural kind of thing. I'm talking about the approval, the go ahead, permission. God has not permitted so many, but they have permitted themselves. And now they can take novices and give them high titles. This is why we have low people in high places today. My God, we need a newness of life in our culture. Lord, save the so-called church in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. But when God comes to make us over, after setting us free from the bondage of iniquitous religious works, we will be freed indeed. So many will be caught in uh, iniquitous religious works because Jesus will have to say, depart from me. I know you not, you worker of iniquity. He wasn't talking to so-called secular humanistic sinners, but maybe he was. People in the church, <laughs> he's talking to them. People who have done religious things, quote unquote, for God. But they forgot. Gifts are given uh, without repentance. And God is gifting us because he's more like the prodigal father than that story of the prodigal son. God seems wasteful. Why? Because he's Jehovah Yiri. He's the God of more than enough. He's given us way more than we can ask or think. And he's seemingly just lavishing us with gifts. It's like a little baby is born. Oh, look at the little baby. Here's a fleet of Lamborghinis. Here are 17 mansions. Go on ahead. Enjoy. Feels like God is doing that. 
And then we don't know what to do with this stuff. But God has given us instructions in his book. It's the book called, let me think, the Holy Bible. And the player of that great instrument is the Holy Ghost. You can't have a Holy Bible understood without the teacher, the revealer of the truth, the Holy Ghost at your side. Amen. He's the mentor you should have when you're reading the Bible. Jeremiah 17, uh, verses 9 and 10 in the King James Version, reveals that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. God goes by the fruit. You can say all kind of religious things all you want and impress everybody, but God is going to look at the real fruit. So many hypocritical titles are all about town. And the Holy Ghost has checked me out before he allowed me to say this statement. Amen. He helped me to find out any little tolerable thing that will make me a hypocrite. Because a little leaven will what? Leaven the whole lump. And I said, Lord, if there's a little leaven of hypocrisy in me, shine a light from heaven. Take it out. Cleanse me, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I don't want to preach a holy sermon and then go home living like hell. Help me, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. See, when we examine ourselves like that and allow God to save us from various powers of sin, we will experience spiritual uh, renewal and uncompromised congruence with him. I want to agree with him without it being messed with. I don't want anything messing up my uh, congruence with God. It's like you have a good spice. God has showed you how to make it, but then a fly comes in and contaminates it. My God, it says that in the Old Testament, we don't want ointment that has been contaminated by a fly, do we? No. I don't want contaminated ointment. I want God to come in and heal me. Be God who you are. You are good. Hallelujah. You've been better to me than I've been to myself. I'm not going to subtract from who you are. My God, if something in my flesh thinks something about God is ugly, so be it. Come on, God, with your ugliness and come in and save me until I see you as you really are. You are beautiful. You are excellent. You are a bright and morning star. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. Sin's going to make them look ugly and make the devil look pretty. My God. But we got to see how God sees. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What's your frame of reference is the question. John 7, 16 through 18 in the NIV helps us to examine ourselves. Jesus answered the people who were all around him asking him questions. He said, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. So much of that is going on in our modern day. Personal glory. People got the garb on of personal glory. They have the vernacular they learn from the potentates that they admire, I mean that they covet, and they learn to speak like them. For what? Personal glory. Jesus goes on to say, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. 
So we can have some falsehood in us. Think about the kings of the Old Testament. They were great reformers. But then there was also a disclaimer that said, you know, against their testimony that said, but not all the idols were removed from out of the hills and yes, mountains. Yes, yes. And then the people went backwards into sin again yes, yes. because they didn't remove all, all the idols. All they, 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 they removed those uh, high sins, mm -hmm. but they left a little hidden sins. Right. But hidden sin will be like a little cancer. It's latent, but then it's going to blossom later and it's going to kill you. My God. Mm -hmm. That's how the devil is. He's like a snake. He's going to bite on you a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. You say, ouch, and you don't even know where the bite came from. And after a while, you're going to feel woozy, woozy, woozy. Then he's going to have you weak, weak, weak. You can't even eat. You're throwing up your food. You're getting weaker and weaker and weaker. He's giving you more and more things to make you weak and sick, discombobulated. He's going to throw you off, and now you're falling down and can't get up. And now the devil's going to pounce on you. He's like a roaring lion. He roars because now he got you. My God, but we cannot even See how God sees it. God will help us, amen, to have wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. He's going to light every step of our path so that we don't, amen, put our foot in a wasp's nest, put our foot in a trap, in a snare. God will keep us from falling, present us faultless, because he's a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Amen. We can see every little step ahead, and we can see down the road. God shows us where we're headed. Yes. My God, do you really want what heaven wants? We are supposed to be saved through Jesus Christ, not subcultural, tolerable doctrines that mix in secular humanism to make us feel cozy in our sins. But, but when we are saved for real, Jesus gives us spiritual gifts that will make us special, useful, and needed by others in the Christian community called the body of Christ. We are supposed to be unified by the eternal loving purpose of heaven. God blesses us to be blessings to others, not just ourselves. Amen. This is not based on age because the anointing doesn't know age. You could be anointed as a young person. You could be anointed in the womb. Amen. So it's not based on age or whether or not you did something to earn it. It's beyond our ability to earn. Submitting to God's will keeps the flow of Christian fellowship and the purpose of God's will effective. The power of true worship is realized when that happens and only when that happens. The Holy Spirit seeks to revive that process in our culture today. There are three imperatives that must be mindful, uh, mindful of for such a revival to be realized. If we want God's will to define us, then we need what John 7 is trying to show us, uh, which will help us. It's a meditation of examination. We have to meditate on the word day and night. And that word should be helping us to examine ourselves. Jesus uh, showed us how that is to be done. Like Jesus, God's will should define who we are. Jesus defined himself by the word of God. He said he came to what? Free the captives. He quoted the prophecies that were about him. He let the word of God determine who he was. Amen. Yes. Not the culture. Yes. Three quick things. So if we're going to do like Jesus, 
We cannot think how the world thinks. That's number one. Number two, we cannot decide how the world decides. That's all from John 7. And three, uh, the world needs what we are supposed to have. And if we don't have it, we can't offer it to the world. We can't shine and people notice and ask questions about the hope that lies within us. That's why we can't witness. That's why we got to force our way in and make people see us. They should notice us right away, readily. And then we can witness. Amen. So number one, because like Jesus, uh, God's will should define who we are. Therefore, number one, we cannot think how the world thinks. That's from verses one through nine of John seven, because Jesus was doing the heavenly father's will. Jesus lived on a divine timetable, not the clock of the culture. Amen. And so uh, we should also live by the divine timetable. If you want other verses of scripture that help that, Psalm 31, verses 14 and 15. The world does not understand this and will give you advice contrary to God's will, as did Jesus's earthly brothers, James, Joseph, Simeon, and Judas did before they really believed in him. So we have to live on God's schedule and uh, you will always have God's help when you do that. Sometimes we put ourselves between a rock and a hard place and we want to blame God. God didn't lead you out there. You heard the culture's voice, not his voice. Amen. He leadeth me where? Besides still waters. And if he leads me out into the wilderness, it's because I'm going to win, not lose. If you go somewhere and lose, God didn't send you there. Amen. God is not a loser. Amen. God always wins. That's why I love the Lord. I like to win. <laughs> Our church cannot develop the wrong motives for service. So, realm of agape, we got to go how the Holy Ghost tells us to go. Yeah. We got to do how the Holy Ghost tells us to do it. We got to say it how God tells us to say it. Live it the way God tells us to live it. Amen? Amen. Even feast upon the word the way he tells us to feast upon it. There's some uh, adulterated doctrines of devils out there and uh, pushed and marketed um, by seducing spirits. And we have to not be privy to those voices. We have to be only privy to the Heavenly Father's voice by His Spirit. Amen. So number one, we cannot think how the world thinks. That's from verses 1 through 9. Now verses 10 through 36, a big chunk, helps us with number two. We cannot decide how the world decides. This discussion reveals the confusion and unbelief of the people around Jesus. Some were for him because of his miracles. They were only there for that. While others opposed him because he broke the Sabbath laws. Some waited to see what their leaders would do. You know, because they had their little uh, cut buddies in their subcultures. And that's from verse 26. Uh, and their leaders wanted to kill him. They were judging by appearances in verse 24 and going astray. How many of us are falling prey to that? Faith is by God's spirit. God is the spirit and they that worship him, that means live by holy, the holy standard of heaven, must worship him how? Yeah, we walk in the spirit and we don't give in to the lust of the flesh. So in spirit and truth, and the truth is the word of God, the unadulterated word of God, that is. Amen. So we cannot decide 
how the world decides. We should have a biblical worldview as revealed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. So, number three. No, the world needs what we are supposed to have. That's from verses 37 through 53, the ending of John 7. Uh, one ritual during uh, the Feast of Tabernacles was the pouring out of water in the temple. It was a reminder that God gave Israel water in the wilderness. Water for drinking is a picture, it's a prophetic picture, it's a word picture. So water for drinking pictures the Holy Spirit who is given to us who trust in Jesus Christ, amen. So if you are one who is a diligent uh, disciple, these are the ones, see, he is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. And the reward is the power and leading and guiding and teaching, covering, protecting power of, of who? The Holy Spirit. Amen. He gives you without measure. The Spirit is given to those who trust Christ. So that's what the water for drinking was picturing. The world is thirsty. Yes, it is. It's a parched, dry land. My God. And uh, guess what? They cannot find uh, their thirst quencher. But if they begin to now listen to the promptings of the Holy Ghost upon their heart, they will learn that the only means of having that thirst quenched will be by Christ coming into their life. My God. But the world will not know it. They know about it that readily because the witnesses that should be shining for Christ aren't shining the way they ought to. They don't taste the way they ought to taste. Don't taste and see that the Lord is good. We're giving people the wrong attitude. And we could be a distaste, and they should wonder why we're so distasteful, and then wonder about the peculiarity of our taste, because we are peculiar people. Yes, not strange, but different. Thank God. And when they begin to ask about the difference, we should have the testimony, amen, through the Holy Ghost. We're overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the what? Word. Of our testimony, the brother, the blood of the Lamb delivered us from sin, and we have the answer for how that worked in our life. And nobody can turn us around from it. Amen. Amen. Now, remember this before you go. In order for one to want what heaven wants, one must experience the transforming power of true worship unto God on a personal level. Now, this church is in a mode of self-examination based on the will of God. We must begin to ask God in prayer about how he wants to shape us. Each and every one of us, a lively stone fit jointly. We have to be looked at individually. God will look at us, give us uh, each a personal examination, a personal uh, spiritual surgery. God will work on us. Amen. The test of holiness unto the Lord and being aware of our role in the body of Christ is what this season of revival is all about. God is trying to revive us. Do we have to put a sign up and say, there's a revival? No. The Holy Ghost is moving all the time. He's all the time trying to what? Revive. Amen. 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 It's not about a special event and having offerings and stuff. No, the Holy Ghost needs to be moving all the time in our life, helping to revive and resuscitate us. We're walking along the side of the road, half dead, and the Holy Ghost is uh, driving fast in his ambulance, trying to pick us up and resuscitate us, but we're waving him off. No, keep on going. Let us out of here. Let him come and do what he came to do. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. So let us pray together. 
Amen. As much as possible during this season in the prophetic uh, timing of God so that God's spirit will mold us into what uh, we need to be, what we need to become and what we need to always be. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your spirit revealing the truth of the word of God. We thank you, Lord. We are seeking to be holy in all of our endeavors so that you will be pleased with us. And we want to please you and you be pleased with us. We want that cycle to be, oh God, uh, ever moving in an uncompromised fashion. We want to be transformed by and in alliance with your will. Even so, come Lord Jesus, find faith in the earth, find it in our midst. Help us to shine in the dark places of this world. Help us to be the good taste from heaven that folks are really savoring, but just don't realize it. Help us, oh God, to have the Holy Ghost power flowing from the inner core. Oh God, out of our belly will flow rivers of living water. It will come out of our mouths and we will speak as the oracles of God. In the selfsame hour, the Holy Ghost will, will reveal to us what to say because our lives we're uh, already saying it. Amen. The red carpet is our lives, how we're presenting ourselves to the world. And then they will have questions about the hope that lies within us. Even so, oh God, find faith like that in the earth. Be it in me, Lord. Send a revival. Let it begin in me. Let it begin in my sisters and my brothers here in our local assembly. Let it, oh God, flow out, oh God, into the community, my God, to the other places of worship and into the streets, oh God, the wayfaring man can sense that there is the one and true living God ever going about and uh, he never sleeps, no slumbers. He's going about to help, to seek and to save that which was lost. And he wants them found. He wants them not to uh, be given over to the perishing judgment, but he wants them saved. He wants them to come in and submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Transform as only you can. Yes. Show us who to talk to, who we ought to, oh God, have an assignment to talk to. You're able, God, in these next coming few days. Help us, oh God, once again, oh God. Last week we did it, oh God. You helped us to talk to a few people. We know you're able. Help us, oh God, to connect in faith with others. You're, you're getting their hearts ready, and you're going to help us connect, and we're going to build each other up in the most holy faith. They can be saved. They can be delivered. They can be set free. We can be encouraged. We can, amen, receive a new anointing as we also are instrumental in helping them to also receive a new anointing. If it's not salvation, it's encouragement or maybe healing. We know you're able, God, even so. Come, Lord Jesus. Do a work. Work on us. Hallelujah. And put us to work. In Jesus' matchless name. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you. Oh, we praise you for the word. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www.roagape.org. We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. 
You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you. Thank you.